0: saying this, uh, good morning here, good afternoon somewhere, and really uh, good evening to our friends overseas. Kind of crazy, isn't it, to think that this is this is the new normal of COVID, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of, adjust, everybody's on, there's people online, there's people in place, people are coming, it's just kind of, it's kind of refreshing, it's kind of different. And, you know, we're talking about Psalm 90, and, you know, Kevin, if you want to go there, Psalm 90 uh, verses 12 and 13, but, you know, it's talking about teach us to number our days. You know, the scripture says, Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. And then it says in verse 13, I love this text, of uh, Psalm 90 verse 13 just says, Lord, how long? In, in other words, number our days, give us the wisdom, but Lord, I'm, I am longing for when you come. Y- you know, this is Moses actually talking about Jesus coming back. Yes, it's about what they're going through, but yes, it's also about the big picture. That's everything that we talk about. Everything that you talk about in the end times, especially when you get into the Old Testament, it's always this language of they're dealing with the situation here, but there's something else. So our whole goal in, you know, to number our day series, and again, people have asked us how long. I don't know. I, maybe you don't like that answer. I have thoughts, but I just condensed three, three lessons into today's into one. So good luck today, by the way. So we're going to go today, and I, we had this discussion with our team uh, in the next room. We always meet every week, and we begin to talk about it, discuss what we're talking about, and I, I proposed that I wanted to talk about the Mosaic Covenant. Normally, Ray, when you talk about the Mosaic Covenant, have you ever really ever heard that in an End Times conversation? Not really. Not really. It's not usually like in there, and to me, I can't understand why it's not essential in every teaching on the End Times. And so we're going to go there, but I just want to make sure you guys understand that. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to do a lot of drawing today, by the way. So I hope my penmanship is good. I hope you guys can take notes, and I hope you can follow along in this process. And so, okay, first of all, let's just go here just a little bit. I started talking about this. Okay, so here you have, okay, what we talked about. That's the seed, right? This is the battle that we're referencing in Genesis 3, verse 15. And one of my goals is I want to simplify the word for everybody. Like I just, we make it too hard. Ray and I always have these conversations and Ray makes it complicated and he gets it and then he tries to explain it and I don't always understand it. That's why we bounce each other out. That's a compliment by the way. (laughs) Uh, So then when you get into the seed, okay, now, now we didn't really talk about this much, but I do want to reference it, okay? You do have the noeic, right? Then after that, you had the Abrahamic covenant, which really is coming through Genesis 12, 3, which we just referenced, that all of the people are going to be blessed through this. And then today is the Mosaic covenant. And we're going to reference, just so you guys know where we're going to go today, Exodus 19 and 20. Now, this pace will never get done, by the way. okay? We're only in Exodus. We're in the Pentateuch. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 1, it says this, in the third month, by the way, this is just backdrop for today. In the, in the third month, on the same day of the month that the Israelites had left the land of Egypt, they entered the wilderness of Sinai. Verse 2, after they departed from Rephidim, they entered the wilderness of Sinai, and they camped in the wilderness. And Israel camped there in front of the mountain. You guys, this is the mountain that we're talking about in Exodus three twelve. This is what's going to happen. You're going to come out of here. You're going to camp out right on this mountain. And then in verse three, it says, Moses went up. Now, let me just tell you this. Verses three, four, five, and six. Many, many theologians call these four verses the heart of the Pentateuch, okay? So this is really what some would consider maybe the heart of the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So they're saying that these verses could be the heart of the Pentateuch. If that's the case, you guys, we've got to tie this into the end times. Okay. So now when you watch this and it says this in verse three, Moses, it says he went up to the mountain to God. Okay. And in this process, and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. Now watch this. This is crazy. He's explaining it to the house of Jacob. Now, Ray, where does, where does Jacob fit in anywhere in here?
1: Um, he comes, he's, uh, you have Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, which God changes his name to Israel, and the 12 tribes come out of him.
0: So Jacob's name becomes what?
1: Israel. Okay. You want the southern pronunciation? I did. That was great. Okay. okay. Israel? Yeah.
0: Okay, so now here we go. So uh, Moses' message is to who? The house of, of Jacob. Okay, this isn't, uh, this is going to sound very evangelical Christian in America. Um, like, Moses is after Abraham. Okay, uh, many people ask me that question. Where does all this fit? Moses is speaking back into the lineage. Okay, does that make sense? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those how the, that's how the people are gonna be blessed and the lineage is gonna come through those. Now Moses has a message for the house of Jacob. And so as this is the language. He says, explain to the Israelites, this is what I'm gonna to give to you. I'm gonna give you, just so you know, this is what's gonna be called the Mosaic Law, okay? Mosaic law is coming and he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Love this, this picture. Uh, by the way, he didn't remove the Red Sea. I, always, I love reading these quotes on Facebook, right? God didn't remove the Red Sea. He parted it. Like he didn't just get it out of the way. He just parted it and said, okay, that's a problem. I'll clear the way. So this is the language. You saw what I did. And by the way, Moses is writing this. Moses wrote all of the Pentateuch: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then in verse five, he says, now, if you will listen to me, this is God talking, he's talking to Moses and carefully keep my covenant, you will be. And then here's what he got. He does. He begins to explain, okay, what we would call three promises. And these promises are huge. This is why, in my opinion, this is so essential to understanding the end times. So it says this first promise. He says, you will be my own possession. Okay, this is kind of fun. Uh, out of all of the peoples, although all of the earth is mine. Okay. Did you catch his first promise? You will be my own possession. Okay. Some people say possession, a phrase of P-O-S-S-E.
1: You're asking the wrong guy. I am asking.
0: Two S's, two S's. Yes. <laughs> Don't you love that? That I went to school and I cannot spell the word possession. He says, you're going to be my possession. Another language that he says, remember a message to who? Who's he talking to? The house of Jacob, which still ties into who? The Abrahamic covenant. It's just building on promise after promise, okay? Now that's another conversation. But he says, you will be my special treasure. And it says this, although all of the earth is mine. So what's he implying there? He's saying, well, look, I am saying all of this, all of earth is mine. But by the way, that little dot that's the size of Jersey, that place is mine. I have a special home for that. And here's what's crazy. Remember this. Not because of any specific reason, except that he just loves them. That's the qualifier. I've just chosen you. I didn't choose the U.S. I didn't choose Romania. I didn't choose Mexico. I chose Israel. Amen. And I know we can wrestle with that all we want, but it's like God is reiterating, I have my hand on these people, the house of Jacob. And he says, they are my special treasure. Kevin Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 you guys want to write this down, Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, Uh, it's kind of interesting. Deuteronomy 7, 6 says, For you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. Now look what the text says. The Lord your God has chosen you to be what? His own possession out of all of the faces of uh, of the earth. Hmm. Out of everybody, God says, You're my people. And so, like, if you're going to talk about Abraham, you have to include Moses because Moses believed the same thing. If you talk to any Jew, any Israelite, Moses is right on the top of the list. Uh, Kevin, I'm just going to go with something here real quick. Deuteronomy 18, you might not have that on your list back there. Deuteronomy 18, I actually believe it's Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. I'm going to break protocol here just for a second in my head. You wouldn't know that. (laughs) Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. Moses, by the way, I believe is a foreshadow of Christ. Deuteronomy eighteen fifteen says the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You must listen to him. So what Moses is saying is going to be a foreshadow of what's to come. Verse 16, this is what you requested from the Lord, your God. He said, at Horeb on the day of assembly, when he said, let us not continue to hear the voice of the Lord, our God, or see this great fire any longer so that we will not die. It continues on into verse 17. And it says this, then the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. In verse 18, it's here it is again. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I command him. What Moses is saying is a foreshadow of what's to come. In other words, I need you to listen to me. You're going to get that later on when we start talking about the blessings and the cursings uh, today. So just know that what Moses is releasing is a foreshadow of Christ. Ray, you want to add anything to that?
1: No, it's just, you know, when Jesus talked about to the Pharisees that, you know, if you believe Moses, believe in me because he spoke about me. That's right. This is one of the areas where he spoke about him. This prophet he's talking about, uh, like him, is actually Jesus. That's right.
0: Now, first of all, the first thing that Moses is saying is is God is saying, actually, you are my possession, you are my special treasure. Kevin, if we can go back, if you don't mind, to Exodus 19, in verse 6, he says, and you will be my, what? My kingdom of priests. Ray, you want to talk a little bit about what kingdom of priests looks like?
1: Well, it's, um, you know, there's specific functions of priests. Uh, You know, the high priest would be Uh, Going in on the day of atonement and atoning for the sins of the people and also for his own sin Uh, you know, the Levites would be the worshipers and we now through Jesus he calls us a kingdom of priests and we actually function under his priesthood, but everyone now is a priest uh, according to the uh, you know, Jesus is according to the order of Melchizedek and he has made us a kingdom of priests is what he always wanted
0: okay so again another foreshadow of what's to come first peter 2 verse 9 talks about we're a kingdom of priests however specifically what's israel's role well what ray just said there's a kingdom of priests because ray i mean practically they are priests going to be doing the work in the tabernacle priests are going to be doing the work in the temple okay this is but what i love is is priests. Uh, and you said this they step in between it's kind of like if you wanted to get to god you know, the priests help you get to him. Okay, that's what the role of Israelites would do. If they wanted to get to the tabernacle, if they wanted to get to the temple, you had to come through the priests. You had to come through the Levites. That make sense? Here's what I love, big picture. Israel is the kingdom of priests. If you want to come to God, nations, you got to come through Israel. You're my special treasure. You are my people. You are the kingdom of priests. You are going to serve as, quote unquote, the mediator for all the nations. House of Jacob, you're going to be the middleman for everything. But do you even see how that picture sets the tone for Christ? Hey, Moses, I want you to deliver a word. They're going to be the, my special treasure. They're going to be the kingdom of priests. And by the way, priests are not here to rule and reign, priests are here to serve. One theologian said it's not a kingdom run by politicians depending upon their strength, but it's priests depending upon the Lord. Just a perspective. Uh, And by the way, what you see now, the prime minister or the president in Israel, okay, that's not, we're not talking about politicians of Israel. We're talking about the people. That's an interesting distinction. I can unpack that a little bit more later. But to Moses, he's saying, tell the house of Jacob, you're my special treasure. You're my kingdom of priests. And then the last thing in verse six, remember the heart of the Pentateuch, okay, is that you are my what? My holy nation. Ray, what makes something holy? Do you think?
1: You know, technically, uh, being set apart. It's it's a to me it's it's uh, from another realm. It's you know the purity of God, um, just being invested in something and on something on did you say on something yeah what are they on well it's the the <laughs> utensils of the, of the <laughs> tabernacle
0: right and and a promise to me ray uh, is, is a i don't know how to say this once god makes a promise it's legit israel will always be god's special treasure israel will always be the kingdom of priests israel will always be god's holy nation and so let's keep going. And these are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Verse 7, after Moses came back, he summoned the elders of the people and he set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded to them. Commanded him. So he gathers the council, right? That's a fair statement. He gathers the council and he says, hey guys, by the way, we have some really special things that God just shared with me. Can you imagine that dialogue that he had? Moses is now telling for the very first time, we're kind of it. Oh, I don't know. Did you hear right, Moses. No, I don't. I don't think they played that game. In fact, how do I know they didn't play that game? Because it says this in verse eight, then all of the people responded together. We will do all that the Lord has spoken. So all of the Israelites said, Hey, by the way, we're in. (laughs) So Moses brought the people's words back to the Lord. Hey God, um, the Israelites, they've agreed to your terms. I don't know what else to say. This is exactly, hey, they're in. Oh yeah, these guys, they've agreed to be the kingdom of priests. Ray, what's your first thought though when you hear that?
1: Well, they don't know what they have just agreed to. (laughs) The Israelites, I believe,
0: and there's really, Tom Constable says it this way, they overstated their own ability to keep the covenant. You realize in verse eight, it says, we will do all that the Lord has spoken. That's a problem. They've overstated what they can commit to. And then here's the best part. The second problem is, is they underestimated God's standards for them. Then the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear you uh, so that the people will hear when I speak with you and will always believe you. Then Moses reported the people's words to the Lord. In other words, hey, by the way, God's going to show up like that's just exactly what happened. Hey, by the way, I'm coming and said, verse 10, and the Lord told Moses, go to the people uh, on the third for on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Hey, everybody, we got three days to clean up our garage. We got three days to get our marriages right. Three days for our kids that can you just start listening to me? Like that's the mentality, right? I got three days in order to experience the presence of the Lord. And I love it. It says this word consecrate, you guys. It's uh, it's interesting. (laughs) And it just talks about how they have to even wash their clothes. They're going to wash their clothes, right? You see over and over that the changing of clothes in Scripture emphasizes a new beginning. Even, Even Adam and Eve, you guys, And it doesn't mean necessarily the greatest, but does that make sense? Even Adam and Eve put on the clothes. Jacob and his family, they returned to Bethel in Genesis 35. Joseph, uh, leaving prison, put on some new clothes. David, turning back to the Lord in 2 Samuel, the new clothes mentality. In other words, guys, it's kind of like this when you're getting baptized, you're clothed with the robe of righteousness. I want to get right with the Lord. I want to be set apart because the Lord is coming and then in verse 12, okay, so you got three days to get our act together. Three days. And in verse 12, it says, put boundaries for the people all around the mountain. Say, be careful that you don't go up on the mountain or touch its base. That's like putting wet paint sign. You know that, right? I mean, who hasn't done that, right? Or am I the only guy that accidentally bumps somebody into the wet paint? Now, the reality is, is it said, "Don't care, be careful that you don't touch it. Anybody who touches it, you're going to die. I'm actually not playing around. And if you would, Kevin, let's keep going. Verse 13, no hand may touch him, him meaning the dead person. If that person dies, don't touch him. Instead, he'll be stoned or shot with arrows. No animal or man will live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up the mountain. <laughs> um, what do you mean? Like what? I just, in my head, I am constantly thinking, what can I get away with? Or what do I need to do to keep up? So in this text, Kevin, let's go back to Exodus 19, uh, verse 14. Then Moses, he came down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated them. They washed their clothes. Verse 15, and it says this. He said to the people, be prepared by the third day. And by the way, for the three days that you're waiting, nobody can have sex. You're not allowed to have sexual relations with women. I want you, your spouse, your family, pure. Now, some people have taken this far. Like this is not God saying he's against sexual relations, by the way. This is literally just for this period of time. You are to consecrate yourselves to be holy. Okay. So don't take this. People do this all the time. They do weird things and they take stuff out of context. This is not that scenario. Okay. Now, as it continues on in verse 16, he says, on the third day, when morning came, there was thunder and lightning, a thick cloud on the mountain. So can you imagine on the second day, you're like, Hey, God's going to show up. Just, just anticipate it. Like if we knew that Christ was coming back on a certain day, we would do everything we could, could we not? That's kind of the whole point of this to number our days. What if he came back today? Are we legitimately ready for his return? So it says a thick cloud on the mountain, a loud trumpet sound that all the people in the camp shuddered. It says in verse 17, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. <laughs> Can you imagine that, 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 uh, that call? Hey guys, let's go. I want to humanize scripture as much as I can. Just leading that process. uh, You know, some people say 600,000. Some people say a million. Some people say 2 million. It's a lot of Israelites. And it says, they came to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. What were they not to do, Ray? It's the mountain. Don't touch it. You know there's one kid. He pushed his sister. (laughs) I've filtered uh, more. So it says this in verse 18. Mount Sinai was completely enveloped, what? Enveloped. Enveloped. I see it, but it didn't come out. (laughs) Enveloped. That's the beauty of this. In smoke, because the Lord came down on it in fire. Remember Exodus 3.12? By the way, you're going to meet me at the mountain. And God, God always follows through with his word. You've got to understand that in order to understand the end times. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. In verse 19, it says, as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in the thunder. And it continues on. It says, the Lord directed Moses. He says, all right, here's what I want you to do. Go down and warn the people, not to warn the people not to break through to see the Lord. In other words, remember what I told you, otherwise many of them will die. Moses should have learned now, the Israelites are hard people. He's already told them not to touch. But when you experience the presence of God, the fire comes, the smoke is there. Hey, remind them, do what I said. We are very similar to the Israelites. It's like we got to be reminded every day. Hey, do you remember what I told you? Do you remember how I spoke into your life? I think for me, he says, okay, come back and tell them. And he says in verse 22, even the priests who come near the Lord must purify themselves or the Lord will break out in anger against them. Even the priests, it says, Verse 23, but Moses responded to the Lord. The people cannot come up Mount Sinai. Since you warned us, put a boundary around the mountain and consider it holy. Verse 24, and the Lord replied to him, go down, and back, uh, go down and come back with Aaron, his brother. Go get your brother. But the priests and the people must not break through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out in anger against them. So Moses went down to the people and he told them. This is your backdrop for the rest of the story of how we're going to tie it in. This is the first time that they've encountered the Lord drastically like this where they have seen the promises of God and Ray I think it's fair to say they overcommitted. Yes. And so what I want to do is, is I want to walk through this process of the fulfillment of, uh, of the Mosaic Law and it's going to get very almost, it's, it's going to seem like a lot uh, and it is. Okay so the Mosaic Law Okay. I think, didn't they say blue on the screen, do you remember what they wrote? I think so. Okay, first of all, the, the ten, let's just do it with the Ten Commandments, let's just stick with the Mosaic Law the Ten Commandments first, okay? First of all, those Ten Commandments, what they do is, is that they govern moral law, okay? That makes sense? That's part of their role, they're going to govern moral law, I'm going to get into each one of these. Number two. Uh, Part of the Mosaic law is to govern religious uh, life. This is where we're talking about like uh, uh, all all of the um, sacrifices, all of the process. Like this is what you have to do to go through the sacrifices, the offerings. I'm being very generic here for a reason. Number three is that this one then we would say governs civil life. okay? And by the way, <laughs> uh, Christ fulfills every one of these. every one of these he fulfills. As an example, Kevin, can you go to uh, 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 Romans 8 verse 1? You're not going to have any of this maybe I don't know. Romans 8 verse 1. Uh, this is just in reference here. There's a lot of text that can go here. I'll show you i, I Remember this, you guys, these guys cannot keep the space up. Remember that? Okay, to keep up moral law, Romans 8.1, now there is no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus. So Christ takes away trying to keep up. There's no condemnation. But these guys don't have that. Okay? Number two, man, there's so many verses. And just so you know, Christ lives a sinless life a perfect life. That's how this happens. Okay. A religious, I want to go to number two, this, the, uh, the, the religious life. Um, some would call these the ceremonial. Okay. The things that you're going to do in the practices. Uh, go to Colossians 2 verse 14, Kevin, will you? Colossians 2 verse 14. He erased the certificate of death with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it out by the way, nailing it to the cross. So he takes care of this through the cross. You'll see why I want to do this way. Okay. And then one more, there's just so you know, there's a lot of verses that could support each one of these. Okay. This is not an exhaustive. I'm just putting one up here for time. And then the the governing uh, civil life. Can you go to Romans 8, Kevin, verse two and four, two through four? What I'm trying to show you is, is that the Israelites can't keep this up, only Christ fulfills this. The Israelites cannot keep this up, Romans 8, 2, 3, and 4, because the Spirit's life of law, law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse three, what the law could not do, since it was limited by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in flesh, like, his, like ours under sin's domain and as a sin offering. And then, and finally, in verse four, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished, look at that, in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but the spirit. Everybody got this picture. We're going to move on. I just wanted you to know they can't keep this up. Okay. Because of works. This is because of, as Ray even said, faith. Okay. Now let's get into some that's your foundation for the end time stuff. So here's what happens. God then said to Israel, can you guys go to Deuteronomy 28 verse one? So here's what happened. He said, look, okay, if you've agreed to the Mosaic covenant, I need you to obey. I need you to obey. Deuteronomy uh, 28 verse one says, now, if you faithfully obey the Lord, your God, and are careful to follow all his commands I am giving you today the Lord your God will what put you far above all the nations of the earth so obedience it even goes to verse 2 all these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God the point is in Deuteronomy 28 he says, if you obey guess what you're gonna be blessed okay so the covenant has happened They have said, we're in. We're going to do everything it takes. Here's the Ten Commandments. And oh, by the way, eventually there's 613 laws. We're going to do everything. God says, fine, if you obey, I will bless you. If you obey, I will bless you. But then here's the flip side of this. I want you to go, Kevin, if you can, to Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. And now you're going to see the opposite side. Okay, Deuteronomy 28, 15 and on. It says this, but if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes I'm giving you today, all of these curses will come and overtake you. Verse 16, you will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading bowl will be cursed. He says, your descendants will be cursed and your land's produce and your young of your herds. In other words, he just says over and over and then finally in 18, and the newborn of your flocks. If you do this, if you don't listen to me, if you don't obey the Mosaic covenant, you will be cursed." So what you have now is a tension in the Old Testament, okay? He says, I'm going to let you do all of these things, but if you decide not to do this, I'm going to stir the pot. And then what does he do? What does he do? The Mosaic Covenant's here. They say, we're all in, but the reality is, is they don't really listen a whole lot. So in Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, I believe sets the stage for the gospel. Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, it says this, okay? Uh, (laughs) You ignored the rock who gave you birth. This is God speaking through Moses. You ignored the rock who gave you birth. You forgot the God who gave birth to you. Hey, you guys, you said you're all in and you've forgotten everything. Verse 19, he says, when the Lord saw this, he despised them, provoked to anger by his sons and daughters. And then he says this, I will hide my face from them. I will see what became, what will become of them for they are a perverse generation. In verse, uh, 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 unfaithful children. And then in verse 21, because of this, because of their disobedience, he says, they have provoked my jealousy with their so-called gods. They will enrage me with their worthless idols. Who's he talking about right now?
1: Uh, He's talking about Israel and he's talking about the idolatry of who they're worshiping. So they have completely forgotten
0: the special treasure, the holy nation, the kingdom of priests. And now they've put everything in this process. You guys, we're in Deuteronomy here and they have put everything in these idols. So in 21, he says, I will provoke their jealousy with an inferior people. I will enrage them with a foolish nation. Okay, Israel, here's the deal. If you're not going to obey the Mosaic covenant, we've come to terms. Guess what? I'm going to make you jealous of another people, a foolish nation. Most would say, generally speaking, it's the Gentiles. I will make you jealous of the Gentiles. Why? Because they disobeyed what they agreed. Now, how does this all fit? Well, if you would, go to Romans 11. Let's start in, let's start in verse 11 though. That'll be more of a context if we can. Let's start in Romans 11. I apologize. Sorry. Romans eleven, eleven says, I ask then, have they stumbled the Jews in order to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their stumbling. Okay. So by their disobedience, right? Uh, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Why? To make Israel jealous. I'm going to back up. I want to read this one more time because it took me a while to get there. I apologize. I ask then, have the Jews stumbled in order to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their stumbling, I think Ray, is it fair to say, by their disobedience? Yes. Salvation then has come to another people group, right? That's going to do what? Make them jealous. So here's what we're going to do. We've got more bubbles for you, okay? So the mosaic time, okay, all of a sudden you got a lot of time over here, and then all of a sudden, okay, eventually it came to the church age, okay? That's where we're at today, right? Does everybody agree? <laughs> okay, so uh, then at some point you're going to see Romans eleven twenty-five 25 come to fruition. Kevin, can you go there, please? At some point you're going to see the fullness of the Gentiles. All of this, you have to understand, was because they either obeyed or they disobeyed. Romans 11.25, so that you will not be conceited, brothers. I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery. A partial hardening has come to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. So they're going to stay in this posture of disobedience, I don't, right?
1: Yeah, please. Romans 10.10, 10, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them, he's talking about Israel, is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness, righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And I think that is the missing piece that's going to make them jealous. What verse was that? That's Romans 10 1 through 4. Good, Ray.
0: Now, here's what's crazy. At some point, when the fullness of the Gentiles takes place, guess what happens? The Jews turn to Him. It's a full cycle. Eventually, they will then come back to Him. In Matthew 23, Kevin, verse 39, I think. For I tell you, you will never see me again until what? Until the Jewish people say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So when the Jews finally cry out to him, guess what? He's coming back. So part of the key, even though they said no, we then have a chance to say yes. We say yes. They see who he is. They cry out to him. And guess what? He comes back. You got to understand though, I, This is, I don't know how to describe this. Because of their disobedience, we can be saved. It's a strange, and Paul says, my desire, though, is for every Jew to be saved. Every Jewish person to be saved. Now, here's where it gets really squirrely. The, the Jews turned to him, and man, this is... Gotta go to scripture on this one, Ray. Right? Oh, boy. Eventually, well, here we go. At some point, you guys... There is a part of the law that gets reestablished. Hang on here, Kyle. What are you talking about? <laughs> Just wait, okay? Now remember this when the Jews turn to him, okay? I'm going to go deep really fast, so hang in here. At some point, there will be what we call a third temple, okay? We have uh, the Solomon Temple. Kevin, what do we call the second temple?
1: Something uh, then called the Herod's temple. Herod's
0: temple. Okay, so you got the first temple, Herod's temple, and then at 70 AD, Kevin, what happened? It's all gone. It's gone. Okay, this stuff is gone. And so in all of this, somewhere down the road, there will be a third temple. I don't know how that's going to work with the Dome of the Rock and the Alaska Mosque in Old City Jerusalem. I don't understand that. Will they be wiped away? Will they be building next to it? Will they see peace? I don't know, but I do know the Antichrist will come in in the antichrist in Matthew in Mark it even talks about he is going to actually the antichrist is going to declare he's god in the third temple okay abomination of desolation okay why do i go there because the third temple somewhere in here okay is a is what's coming for what we call the millennium temple hear me out, please. Okay. When I say the law is reestablished by no means, by no means am I saying now Christ's atonement is not worth it anymore. I'm not saying that at all. Okay. No way. Christ's atonement is done. And in that result, all of us have freedom. But in Ezekiel, okay, Kevin, you ready to go? Ezekiel 43 verse 13 says this. um, uh, These are the measurements of the altar in units of length each unit being the standard length plus three inches. The gutter is 21 inches deep and 21 inches wide with a rim of nine inches around its edge. This is the base of the altar. Why would you have an altar if there's no sacrifices? Does that make sense? You're describing what's gonna start taking place. One more verse, Kevin, if you can. Can you go to uh, verse 27? Ezekiel 43, verse 27. I'm just trying to give you pictures that says sacrifices will be coming and complete the days of purification. Then on the eighth day of, and afterwards, the priest will offer your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar, and I will accept you. This is the declaration of the Lord. So, in the Millennium Temple, what these guys were told to do will actually still take place here. Ray, you want to clean
1: anything up? <laughs> <laughs> You're just trying to get me to jump in there with you. I know, man. Uh... It's fun. No, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I struggled with for a long time because Christ came and fulfilled, and he's the ultimate sacrifice. It says the blood of bulls and goats couldn't yep. take away sin. Jesus went into the tabernacle in heaven. All of it's done, and it's going to be reestablished during the millennial reign. Uh, I can throw my theory out there. It's because that God is giving them a do-over. Uh, they are now going to be able to live out what they promised that they could do with Christ here and with the Holy Spirit filling them. They're actually going to be able to pull this off. (laughs) And if your head is
0: scratching, join the club. That's a a best explanation, though. But when you read over and over and over, you guys, nobody comes to terms that dogmatically says this is exactly what it looks like. But I do want you to see the big picture. It didn't work here. Christ came in and said, I'll make it work. And then somehow there's redemption
1: in this with the Jews. But by the way, go ahead, Ray. You know, and I don't know if you're going to go there, but uh, also other passages indicate that the Gentile nations will also participate <laughs> in bringing sacrifices to the temple. Yeah. And I believe it's because of the way that they treated the Jews uh, during that time. So uh, Isaiah
0: 56. Kevin, Isaiah 56, verse seven, Ray, I think we might be on the same page here. Isaiah 56, verse seven, this is one of them, and then we're gonna to go to Isaiah 66 after this. Isaiah 56, verse seven says, I will bring them to my holy mountain and let them rejoice in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. okay. This is important to understand. Kevin, in this context, this is the prophet Isaiah talking. Correct. What do they have right now?
1: They have a temple. They have a temple. And they have land,
0: some of it. That's right. Getting ready to lose it. So this becomes the already, but yet there's more to come.
1: Ray? Um, You know, Israel had their their, uh, time with the Mosaic Law then the Gentiles have the time of the Gentiles. In the millennium, the two come together. And it's actually what was promised when, when uh, during the church age, says there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, you know, male nor female. And it's interesting that all come together that's right. in the millennium. That's good.
0: Man, that's good. Here's the reality, is that Jerusalem is going to, it's God's home. And he's going to bring everybody there. Isaiah 66 uh, specifically, uh, uh, verse 20, Kevin, for me, Isaiah 66, verse 20 first. They will bring all your brothers from all the nations as a gift to the Lord on horses and chariots. And in in, 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 I was gonna say in litters. I don't think that's right. How do you say that? Man, Nikki, we've been talking too much about dogs cats and all that stuff. Uh, And on mules and camels to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring an offering and a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. I also take some of them as priests and Levites, says the Lord, for just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, which we're going to reference into the next step, uh, which I will make will endure before me. This is the Lord's declaration. So your offspring and your name will endure. Here it is. And all mankind will come to worship me, from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another. It's an awesome picture, you guys, of what's to come. Now, this is all messy. Here it is. This is how we close it out. Okay? And by the way, in the new heavens, in the new earth, you won't need a temple. In the new heavens, in the new earth, no temple. Why? Because... Revelation 21:22. Revelation 21 and 22. It says this: I did not see a sanctuary in it, because the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its sanctuary. That was a lot to get there. Uh, I thank you for your patience on this. But I want you to see, like, I believe God is simplifying the picture for us. I really do. And I believe they didn't have this in mind. (laughs) But we can look at it and see what God was doing. And so just as a simple picture, who would have thought because of disobedience, we'd have a chance, they have a chance, God's going to redeem it and restore it, and then everybody is going to be on the same page. Hence, to number our days, I think should include... Uh, the purpose of the law, It's the Mosaic covenant. Let's pray. Lord, we just say thanks uh, for this time. (laughs) God, I feel like uh, this is a lot of bullet points, and I pray that you become the thread between each one, that Jesus, we know even in Deuteronomy 18, it was, it was, It was prophesied that they needed to listen to the prophet. They needed to listen to the person. That's Christ. And so, God, I just pray that you would allow us to see that Christ is always the end goal. He's always the answer. We know it's not actually about the sacrifices. We know it's not about the offerings. We already know Christ took care of all of that. But God, would you allow your Jewish people to enter back into the picture in such a way that they radically cry out to you. God, would you bring a revival? First to the Jews. That's what you tended to come to. Then you tended to come to the Gentiles. <laughs> but I pray, Lord, that the Gentiles would make them jealous, that, they, that we would offer something that, that, that they want. So God, I just ask in this room and on the screen right now that we would live our lives as Christ wants us to live. We actually act like we've gone from death to life. And so Jesus, I commit this word to you. Please remove any confusion and bring full clarity. We love you. And we just say thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.